today's scripture reading is from Luke 11, 1 through 4. This is what the Holy Scripture says. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Your, God, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Thanks be to God. Well, good afternoon. Uh, this is the Advent uh, season, and it's great to be able to uh, kick off this season with all of you. Advent is a time where we begin to focus and uh, contemplate and meditate on the coming of Jesus as a baby, but also for us to long for him to come again. And we aren't doing a specific Advent series this year. We are continuing our series in Luke. We started in September in chapter 4. We happen to find ourselves here in chapter 11 in a passage that I think is extremely appropriate for Advent because it's a passage on prayer. And during our Connect Hour, which is after the service, we're going to dedicate the Connect Hour to praying. Uh, and listening to some Advent songs and having a time of meditation and contemplation. So I hope you'll find that restorative and uh, beginning to stir in you some of the longing that I think we should have during this time of Advent. Now prayer is something all of us, I think, uh, do to some degree. In fact, surveys show 55% of Americans pray at some point. Uh, every day. The percentage of people who pray these surveys show go up in the older uh, age ranges. And I think that probably shows that as you get older, you're wiser or maybe you're more dependent. <laughs> uh, whatever reason, as we get older, we tend to pray more. Uh, most of us uh, pray, but I think most of us would say and admit we're not very good at praying. We're not very good. I've listened to several sermons this past week on this passage uh, on the Lord's Prayer. And without fail, these well-known pastors all admitted to uh, their weakness and failings when it comes to prayer. And yet, our prayer life, in fact, is a diagnostic tool that really does reveal Something about our spiritual health. The pastor and author Jack Miller used to say that he could tell a great deal about a person's relationship with God by listening to him or her pray. He would say this, you can tell if a man or woman is really on speaking terms with God. Now, if I were anywhere near Jack, I probably would not pray when he's, <laughs> when he's around because uh, I would tend to to feel a lot of condemnation if that was the case. If any of you, uh, you know, had that sort of lens where you were 
going to judge someone by how they pray. And sometimes that happens when we pray. We can't help but feel condemnation. We can't help but feel that we don't measure up and that our prayer life is clumsy. And I don't know if any of us here would step forward and say, oh, I am a prayer warrior. You need to be like me. You need to model your prayer life like I do. Now, anytime I sense a lot of self-condemnation when it comes to my prayer life, I always turn to the Gospels and I find comfort when I look at the disciples. Uh, I feel better because I realize when I look at the disciples, I'm not the only one who struggles. You might remember the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night he was arrested before his crucifixion. He brings uh, three of his closest disciples to come and be on guard with him and to pray. And what do they do? They fall asleep. And Jesus, thank you for that story. Uh, I'm not the only one. Sometimes praying can be hard. And, and we have a passage like Luke 11 that I think brings us comfort and, and, and hopefully uh, makes prayer not so mysterious or uh, overwhelming. So I think this passage is supposed to invite us into a deep and fruitful and, and vital living prayer life with God. This is the only place here in Luke 11 in the Gospels that the disciples ask Jesus to teach them. To teach them. In the two, in the two passages, actually, in Matthew and Luke, uh, the disciples ask Jesus to teach them, and it's on prayer. I mean, think about that for a moment. They could have asked Jesus to teach them anything. And maybe they did, and it's not recorded, but this is recorded for us. And so I think that tells us two things. It tells us how vitally important prayer is. And it shows us something about the disciples that they knew they needed help with their prayer life. And my guess is the disciples were very practiced in prayer. They would have grown up in a Jewish home. They would have prayed daily. Uh, they probably would have put most of us to shame in their commitment to pray regularly. But here they are asking Jesus to teach them to pray. And I think probably what happened is they watched Jesus pray. If you notice in the passage there in verse 1, it tells us, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. We can imagine the disciples sitting there thinking to themselves, we know how to pray. We pray all the time. We've grown up praying. We know the prayers. We've memorized them. It's, it's a part of our, our daily spiritual life. And yet, when we watch you, Jesus, we see something unique. We see something special. We see something that we want. Teach us how to pray like you pray. And so it's, very, it's a very powerful request. And I wonder how many of you have that desire today. How many of you are sitting there going, yes, Lord Jesus, teach me how to pray. Now, in, in one sense, um, you know, we all can pray today. We all can pray now. We, we don't need a degree. We don't need a lesson. 
in how to pray. Uh, prayer is as easy as a conversation. All you have to do is start talking to God, and you can pray. That's how easy prayer is. And yet, notice Jesus' response to his disciples when they ask him to teach them. He doesn't say, I don't need to teach you how to pray. You already know how to pray. Just talk to God. It's simple. He could have said that. And, and sometimes that is an appropriate response when we feel like we don't know how to pray. Sometimes it's as simple as, hey, you just need to talk to him. And yet there's something not quite right about that. It, it, the, we get that sense from this passage that Jesus is trying to show us that there's more to prayer. And so Jesus shows them when they're to pray, how they should pray. And he tells us here in verses 2 to 4, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And so what I want to do with this prayer is I want to look at how the Lord's Prayer connects us, guides us, and matures us. So that's where we're going with our time. First, the Lord's Prayer connects us. Now you can see how in the way that the prayer is written that Jesus expected us to pray this prayer together. Look at the language. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we forgive, lead us. The language, there's an assumption here that Jesus assumed his people, his disciples, his church, would pray corporately. Corporately, as one commentator puts it, this is not my individual prayer but one that is shared as a community, uttered as if it were one prayer spoken with one voice. In other words, the disciples pray for the same things as a part of a large family. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, it should draw us together. It should be something that we do with one voice. This is why we sometimes integrate the Lord's Prayer into the worship service. In fact, this is one reason why we do written prayers together in worship. Now, you may come from a church that is more spontaneous and, and more charismatic, and those are great churches. I love those churches. Um, some of my family go to more charismatic churches, and there's a beauty in that, and there's a freedom in that, and yet, and yet I would say that if you're only doing that, you're missing out. If you're only doing that, I think what you're missing out is the communal aspect of what it means to worship God as his people. And what the Lord's Prayer does is it connects us together as we raise with one voice, our prayers to God. Now, another way that this prayer connects us is at the very beginning. Did you notice the very beginning? How does Jesus start the prayer off? 
with Father. Father. Now, I'm a huge fan of Anne Lamont's books. Uh, she's, she's a writer, um, and she has made me laugh, and she has made me cry, and she has made me want to throw the book across the room. Uh, she has you know, instilled in me a whole range of emotions, which is why she's such a good writer. Um, and she wrote this book on prayer that has so many wonderful insights in it. Help, thanks, wow, the three essentials of prayer. But this is one place where I think she gets it terribly wrong. And it's towards uh, her starting point for Anne is that it doesn't matter really who you're praying to. She says in her book this, let's say prayer is to what the Greeks called the really real, what lies within us, beyond the scrim of our values, positions, convictions, and wounds. Or let's say it's a cry from within to life or love with capital L's. Nothing could matter less than what we call this force. Let's not get bogged down on whom or what we pray to. Let's just say prayer is communication from our hearts to the great mystery. And, and I think, to be fair, Anne could be trying to make the case uh, for those who perhaps are um, non-spiritual or didn't grow up in church or are unfamiliar with prayer. She could be trying to maybe take obstacles out of the way for people to be able to enter into prayer. Let's, let's give her the benefit of the doubt. But I would argue that Anne is missing the very point of the Lord's Prayer is that Jesus begins with Father, not the great mystery. Jesus intentionally begins with Father because it matters that you know who you're speaking to. Now, some of you I know probably came from homes where maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your father, and that stirs within you all sorts of conflicted feelings. You know you should have a good perception of God as father, but maybe your earthly father has tainted that or made it very difficult for you to see that as a positive. But it's supposed to be a positive. The way God is painted in Scripture is as a caring father. As a father who wants to know you. As a father who wants to answer your prayers. And that makes all the difference. Now, the reason I'm making this point about father is not only that who you're praying to wants to hear from you. But if he's your father, he's also my father. That means you and I are brothers and sisters. And we enter into prayer with that understanding that we're connected. As we pray this prayer, you're my brother, you're my sister. I'm connected with you. And so this prayer draws our focus and attention to that family dynamic that is so difficult for us to cultivate today. It's so difficult in our culture to cultivate this idea that we don't pray alone that we don't pray by ourselves. And that's integral to our vision as a church. Maybe you've heard us talk about this. Uh, our vision is to be a growing family rooted in Jesus, sharing God's love with our neighbors in the world. And that first part comes out of this idea that we're family. 
Now, I think I have a slide that, that shows um, the stats of people praying alone. Is that up there? Yes. Uh, survey was done. Notice this, this, the percentage here of people who prayed at least once the past three months. 82% pray silently to, to myself is, was the results of the surveys. And I know a lot of you, I've asked you to pray out loud and you've denied me. You've said, no, I don't do that. Um, I know that's a part of, of how you express your spirituality. Well, can I just pastorally and lovingly challenge you? It's wrong. It's wrong. You are called to pray together to your father, your family. You're my family. We are called to pray together out loud. It's only in, in, in the last hundred years or so where this idea that, that spirituality and faith is so privatized that it's okay for you not to pray with other people. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. You're called to pray in community. So, so the Lord's Prayer connects us. Secondly, the Lord's Prayer guides us. It's a model. Um, it, it, it helps give shape to our prayers. Uh, one commentator put it like this, that, the, that the, the Lord's Prayer functions like a tuning fork. All the musicians in here will like this illustration. It functions like a tuning fork by which we can measure whether our prayers are in the right pitch. It guides us in the right direction when we enter into prayer. Almost like an outline. Now, it's not intended to be a strict, rigid guide where you only pray the words of the Lord's Prayer. That's not the intent of what Jesus is trying to give us here. What he's trying to do is guide us in when we pray, give us perspective in what to pray for and who to address and how to pray. Now, you may be familiar with Martin Luther, uh, one of the great 16th century theologians. Uh, Luther was famous for his haircut. If you've ever seen, I wish I had put a picture of him. Uh, but he has a wonderful haircut. But uh, there's a story uh, that Luther would go to his barber, and he went to his barber one time, and his barber asked him, Martin, how do I pray? Kind of like the disciples with Jesus asked him, how do I pray? And Luther was, was so pastoral. I mean, this is a guy that had so many things on his plate, could have so much to do. But he went home and he wrote a little treatise called A Simple Way to Pray. And in this little treatise he wrote for his barber in 1535, uh, he showed how the Lord's Prayer, along with the Ten Commandments and the Apostles' Creed, could be a guide for how we pray. Now, in that guide, he talks about how, yeah, the Lord's Prayer is not intended to be the strict, rigid thing that we only say the words of the Lord's Prayer. But in fact, Luther shared with his barber what he would do is take the petitions of the prayer and kind of riff off them. If you love jazz, you kind of know what that means. You kind of, you know, start with a petition. Let's say, give us this day our daily bread. And you could, if you're praying... 
simply use that as a starting off point to start praying for the things that you need. Or if it's thy will be done, you use that to kind of give you guidance in riffing off, yes, Lord, I want to see your kingdom come in these ways. And then you can just start praying those things. And Luther talks about in his treatise how sometimes, you know, he, he would be in one treaty, in one uh, petition and spend his whole time there. He wouldn't even get through the rest of the prayer. And that's okay. But it was a guide for him that helped shape his prayers. And I love what Luther had to say here in this quote. Uh, to this day, I suckle at the Lord's prayer like a child. And as an old man, eat and drink from it and never get my fill. What a beautiful image in how he, this, this man who knew God's word and uh, was probably spent <laughs> hours and hours in prayer, found the Lord's prayer to be a wonderful guide that helped shape him. Because you and I know that sometimes when we enter into prayer, you kind of sit down, you maybe um, get your Bible there, you're ready to pray, and then you, you think, I don't know what to say. <laughs> what do I say? What do I pray for? I don't know. Go to the Lord's Prayer. Simply begin to riff off the Lord's Prayer. And before you know it, you've probably prayed 15, 20 minutes. Let it guide you. Let it take your hand and lead you down the path of prayer with God. So, the Lord's Prayer connects us. The Lord's Prayer guides us. And finally here, the Lord's Prayer matures us. And... A simple uh, way that the Lord's Prayer matures us, I think, is that it gives us a deeper perspective and understanding of, of great spiritual truths that we see in the prayer. Because so often with our prayers, we're, we're very much turned in on ourselves. So many of us come to God with the grocery list. That's our prayers. Uh, you know, God... Please help my aunt who's sick. Uh, please uh, help, you know, this person with this need and that person with that need. And, and God, I need this and I need that. And we spend our whole time simply praying the grocery list. And, and that's better than not praying. But that, again, that will only take you so far. And what the Lord's Prayer offers is actually a deepening and, and maturing of your faith. If you allow the Lord's Prayer to guide you, it will take you to a deeper levels of faith. For example, notice how the prayer begins with God. It begins with, Father, hallowed be your name. The prayer begins with God's holiness. It begins with enticing you to focus on God first. For him to be holy, for him to be honored, for God to be great. Then it goes on to your kingdom come. There, it's deepening your understanding of what it means to say, God, I want your agenda, not my agenda. That is one of the hardest spiritual lessons to learn. But if you allow the prayer to shape you and for it to begin to be part of what you truly want, for God's kingdom to come, not just in the world, but in your heart, 
it begins to deepen and mature you in your very being. And then the prayer leads us to pray uh, for our daily bread. Notice it says daily. In other words, I think this prayer is seeking to teach us how to be content with what we need today. Not to be anxious, not to worry, not to hoard, but to foster and cultivate in us a a mature trust that God is going to take care of us. And then it moves us into forgive us for our sins. It's causing us to reflect on the things that we've done or not done, the things we've said or not said, the things we've thought or not thought. It's causing us to reflect and deepening our sense of repentance and faith. And even challenging us to forgive others, which is one of the greatest challenges for any Christian, is to forgive others as God has forgiven us. This prayer leads us into that challenging space. And finally, lead us not into temptation. There, it's developing within us an awareness of the spiritual realities and the dangers that life offers and and kind of wakes us up from a naive kind of spirituality where we think, oh, you know, I don't have to worry. God's going to take care of it. No, it's it's saying, hey, be be sober-minded. Realize that the evil one is close by and he wants to destroy you. And so it causes us to pray in a mature, focused way. I'll end with this story that uh, Tim Keller offers in teaching on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, As he was uh, praying about this kind of deepening and maturing aspect of the Lord's Prayer and what it can do in your life if you begin to apply it and use it in your prayer life, uh, one woman in his congregation really took this to heart. And a couple weeks later, after Tim had taught about the Lord's Prayer, she came to him and and said this. She said, you know, before I would run right through, uh, run right to my prayer list, and the more I went through all the problems and needs, the more anxious and burdened I would get. Now I've started spending time thinking about how good and wise God is and how many prayers he's answered of mine in the past. And when I get to my own needs, now I find I can put them in his hands and I feel the burden coming off me rather than on me. What a beautiful story about how powerful the Lord's Prayer can be in your life, in my life, as we begin to implement it and integrate it into our daily prayer life. And I pray that God would use it in your life. And if you want to talk more at any time about prayer, I would love uh, to take you out for coffee. I would love to enter into that conversation because this is an area in my life where I really want to grow. And if that's something that you want to grow in as well, let's begin talking about it. Let's begin striving to be people of prayer. Mark Vaughn and the prayer team are doing a wonderful job in praying for the people of King's Church and the things going on. And I just invite you, if if that's something that you would want to be a part of, talk to Mark, talk to myself, 
And we'd love to increase that team and get more and more people here at King's Church praying. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, for this challenging, encouraging, surprising prayer. I pray that we would begin to see it with fresh eyes, Lord, to begin to see what it offers us. That it offers us life, it offers us relationship with you. And I ask Holy Spirit, begin to to lead us, urge us, nudge us to pray. To pray as our Lord Jesus has taught us. And may we begin to see our faith deepen and our lives change as we grow closer to you and know you, Lord. We pray in your name. Amen.